Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 67 of Freight 360. Ben, we've got a good episode today. How you doing? Doing well. Looking forward to digging in. We got some exciting stuff to talk about today. We do. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the COVID vaccine distribution. We got a little sports update. We're gonna hit on margins, and we got we'll some keep good sports questions. brief today. We'll keep sports brief today, just for the fact that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's cover that first. Bills Steelers took down the took Steelers. A yeah. So two game losing streak to your boys. Yep. Good game, so you bro. guys got Cincinnati coming up this weekend. Buffalo's got a Saturday game against uh, Denver spread on that's like negative five and a half. Anyway, last week we were talking about the, uh, the spread on Buffalo. I, I put my bet in, I won. So I think I had them at two points, two points, two uh, and a half. I saw it. I think I took the money line because it was, I don't know. It was 150 to 100, wasn't it? I forget what I had it at, but it was, uh, it was a nice little, nice little bet there. Uh, so either way, things are shaking up in the NFL. We're getting, you know, just just a few weeks out of playoffs now. We got three three weeks left, and um, it's going to be good, man. I think uh, I think you're going to see Pittsburgh bounce back. I think Buffalo is going to have a strong finish. Probably a, a, a loss in there somewhere. KC is going to likely be the number one in the AFC. The NFC, who knows, man? They're all over the place. So we will see. Pittsburgh's got to get their run game up. They couldn't manage the clock against you guys, and their defense just really couldn't hang on for four quarters. They've been on the field the majority of the game. Yeah, that's just it. That's it. Ball possession often has a correlation with uh, winning and losing games. So, um, good stuff. So let, let's let's talk quickly before the the margin piece here. Let's talk about the COVID vaccine. So we had a you had a, a cool article from Freight Waves that you had sent to me. We're gonna put a link in the show notes, but. The title of the article was Holiday Puzzle, Vaccine, Blizzard, E-Commerce Boom, Trade War. It's not even really a sentence, but it's just a, li- it's a lot of problems. It's, yeah. Like I said, holiday puzzle, because you got to think about it here, right? Um, so the good thing is the vac- whether or not you're, you're uh, you know, hopping on the vaccine wagon or not, the vaccine is is being distributed now. And it's, it's a logistical uh, nightmare for the for the transportation industry. So, and it's not the only thing happening right now, right? We've got the highest and you read the article, right? There's there's a lot of good points there, but it's like the highest level of e-commerce and uh holiday ever. shipping online purchases ever. Yep. So, you've got that, you've got the vaccine that's got to be distributed. You've got a blizzard coming in this week in the northeast that's going to throw a damper and all that stuff and cause all kinds of issues. And then the trade war. So what do we know about the the vaccine? High level stuff. What kind of challenges are we looking at? High level stuff. The stuff that I had read is I, I'm pretty sure UPS has taken half the country. And I think FedEx has taken the other half was what I had read. Um, but even to the other side of that was that was a distribution, but you've got the the cold chain. I mean, negative yep. 90 is what it needs to be transferred. And yeah, they, they have the dry ice. They've reported there are no shortages, but it also needs refilled every five hours to be able to get 
the storing. So, I mean, you're not talking about your everyday shipments. And, you know, even in the, in the article, they said, you know, these two things aren't correlated with the vaccine delivery. You have a DOD clearance, Department of Defense clearance, and a special pharmaceutical license. So, these aren't your everyday drivers that are right. going to be giving this product. The, the average broker shouldn't be running into these issues. It shouldn't really affect capacity for just the normal everyday things, because these are definitely specialized yep. commodity restrictions. So the, where it will affect is the capacity that those large carriers typically do rely on or the capacity that they typically are relied on for. Um, but again, there's been, the, the planning has been in place for months on this. It's not like they just all of a sudden like, Oh, we have a vaccine. It just pops up in the middle yeah. of nowhere. And they're like, Oh, we got to find trucks. This is, this has been in the work. So the big takeaway here is, that, um, you know, this kind of absurd, I don't want to say absurd, but out of the ordinary stuff happens on an ordinary basis. Just, it's always something different. So like, like we said in the article title itself, so you got the vaccine distribution, you've got e-commerce, you've got weather, you're going to have weather every year. And, you know, Christmas is in December every year, I'm pretty sure. And you're going to have produce seasons shift throughout the year, every single year. So for, for that, re, you know, those things right there alone, you can always expect to deal with these kind of logistical challenges, whether it's related to a pandemic, weather, seasonality, trade, you name it. So Definitely this is that. precisely why rates will fluctuate. And we kind of talked about that on a previous episode. Um, this is the kind of stuff you want to stay in tune with. So if you're, if you're not big on being educated on the market. I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, freight waves when it comes to their stuff. They've got a good, good level of content that comes out daily. Uh, DAT has got a lot of really good analytics and I'm going to, I'm going to hit on that today with their broker margin stuff. Um, but that's kind of my big takeaway is just always plan for things to change and shift. There's ebb and, ebbs and flows in the industry and the better pulse read you can have as a broker or as a carrier or as a shipper or dispatcher, whatever, the better you can understand and start to maybe do a little forecasting yourself and have conversations with your customer on what to expect with changing capacity. What do you think? I, I think I agree with everything you said. I would rephrase challenges as um, logistical opportunities because Ooh, I like that. this is where they come them. from, right? If the market was stagnant and static and you could predict it, then there wouldn't be as much of a need for brokers and we wouldn't be on this show right now. These changes, these things that happens, these fluctuations in demand and supply of both trucks and products are what causes the spot market to fluctuate and also creates this huge opportunity for brokers to add value, to be able to help with last minute things, to be able to help solve these issues, to be able to add value to their customer supply chain and make a living doing it. The, the one of the, I forget who it was, uh, I can't remember his last name, the CEO of XBO, Brad, and I can't remember his last name. He was asked that in an interview um, for like the Wall Street Journal. And they said, you know, doesn't this create a lot of, they phrase it the same way. He said, doesn't this cause a lot of problems for XBO's growth? He's like, absolutely not. Without these fluctuations, we wouldn't have these opportunities to be able to capitalize on. This is the value we provide to the market is dealing with these things and providing solutions as they fluctuate. Yep. Uh, that would be a one, Mr. Brad Jacobs. Brad <laughs> Jacobs. Yep. So um, I like that logistical opportunities. Um, I do actually, you know, I just thought about, we got a, we got a new review that came in earlier in the month. 
It's a three-star review. And I wanted to read it off. And I hope this guy's listening. So three stars from Leonid Daniel. I don't know if that's his real name. Title is not bad. Like not good, right? Not terrible, but not bad. Uh, He says, does not spend enough time giving in-depth information for the new broker, assuming everyone is seasoned. Hey, man, a review is a review. Um, I would ask this. If anybody out there disagrees with this, because Nate and I constantly strive to take things that maybe appear complicated and to try to make them in a way that are digestible and easy to understand for some of the newer brokers out there. If you disagree with that, we would love to have you guys put a review up. So anybody out there listening right now that thinks that we have done an effective job at boiling these things down, um, would appreciate a review. Yeah. Reviews are great. They help us rank and get out there and get to the larger audience. So here's another thing I'm going to say too, and I'm going to, this is relevant for brokers, not just, you know, people that podcast about it, but um, we have, you know, we had that one star review in the past and now we've got a three star with some context to it. So I had a, uh, an old CEO that when I was named in my first lawsuit in brokerage, which it was, there was like five of them. It was, it was like, involving non-competes. And he said like, Hey, you know, you're relevant when you're named in a lawsuit. (laughs) So I guess now that we have a, not necessarily a hater, but we got someone that's, you know, that felt the desire to go leave a a three-star review, you know, gain some traction and some relevance. So I I appreciate it. Whether it's a one-star, five-star, three-star review. Thanks for leaving the review. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the feedback. We'll, we'll make sure that we continue to give some more, um, you know, entry level type broker information as well as info that's good for everybody. So let's talk margins, man. Yep. Let's do it. So I've, uh, I've hit on this in the past and I wanted to just have a, a, a quick brief discussion on um, margins overall, because we, I'm going to give some stats and some averages, but my big bottom line up front on this one is that, all margins are subjective to a lot of different things. Okay. It could be the, and we're, you know, whether you're, the margin percentage by itself versus the dollar profit per load margin, it can be impacted by um, the time of day, the time of year, the equipment type, how many stops there are, how good of a salesperson you are. Was it a bad call? I mean, there are just a ton of different factors that go into it. So, Margin explained, right? What is margin? So let's 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 talk to our three-star review guy there. He wants entry-level information. What is and margin? In its simplest term, right? It is just the difference between what you are billing your customer for and what you are paying to have that work done. Yeah. So exactly. if you've got a load, for example, and the lane costs you a thousand dollars to book that truck, and you bill your customer to margin, the bill would be 1,278. It's the difference between the bill and the difference between the cost. So that margin is what brokers have to operate off of, right? So let's use yours, 1,278 from the customer and then 1,000 to the truck. So $278, that's your operating margin. That is what the brokerage company has to run their operation. So that's going to cover everything from payroll, your commission, covering their overhead, literally everything. So this is why companies that cannot sustain a healthy margin and healthy is a very subjective phrase here, 
if you don't have a healthy margin, you will not be able to keep your business afloat long-term because there's, we talked about the cost to run a brokerage and we use the 15% as just an example margin in that blog and on that, um, on that episode that we did. Uh, but even 15%, depending on a lot of other things, may or may not keep your business afloat. So now margin percentage versus the actual dollar amount are two different things. So you might say, oh, I'm operating at a 20% margin. Well, that's great. But 20% of what? Like, did you move a $200 LTL load and you made $40 on it? Or did you move a $2,000 load and you made $400 on it, right? At the end of the day, the margin percentage is going to have a, a key factor into it. But think about if you're making X amount of dollars per load, like say that $40, was it worth your time to get paid whatever that $40 means for commission to you to handle that load? Like if you're, if you're a W2 guy making 20%, you're making 20% of that $40 margin, which what does that come out to be? $8? Yeah. And I think another way to really look at that to see if that makes sense and and a great way to look at the percentage side is look at the amount of time it takes you to do one of those, right? Look at the amount of time you spend at work during a week. And if you put that number into that entire week, multiply that out, you could see, Hey, is it, if you, if you had enough of these and you did these all day for an entire week, would you make the amount of money you need to survive? Right? Yep. If the answer to that is no, then that's probably not the most sustainable shipment business model like product that you should be working in. Yep, exactly. And remember, you get paid in dollars and cents, not percentage points. So like like we said, if you have a 20% margin versus a 15% margin, what is the dollar amount total at the end of the day that you're actually going to be making? So, so to that. Well, that was what the reason I use those numbers 1278 is I think the average margin across the industry ends up being about $278 per load. So that's what I wanted to bring up with you is the, and I pulled stats from DAT is usually really, really good at their quarterly broker margin stats. Um, I haven't run, usually at the end of the year, they, they release something new on it. So I'm curious to see how 2020 ends up. It's been a wild year, well, um, but we week. have seen a, even like end of 2019, when I last visited this topic, it was about 16 and a half percent. Now it's in the 15s um, as of like the current uh, data that's out there. If you, and there's a lot of different sites you can go to. And basically where they're pulling their information from is companies like Truckstop and DAT or other, other services that offer, um, you know, offer products for brokers and carriers. They can see obviously what the broker is paying to the carrier, whether that's through a factoring service or through a, their TMS or whatever. So this is where the, d- the data comes from. Um, so it's not, you know, it's, it's a sample size, but it's big enough that you're going to get a, a good idea. So we're somewhere in the 15s right now across the board. Um, but, you know, that being said, I do think there's a, there's a lower end that you get dangerously low. So like there are some people that operate like a 5% margin and they just hammer out like super easy, high volume, low dollar amount loads and it's dangerous. It is because if you can't scale at a lower cost, right? You're really building in a business model that isn't sustainable, right? I've heard this in a lot of different ways and economics, they'll just say, hey, you know, like that's like selling a hundred dollar bill for $90, right? Like, yeah, you can sell a lot of them and yes, you can book huge revenue numbers because who isn't going to buy a hundred dollar bill for $90? Mm -hmm. What does that look like on the other end, right? 
yep. for every every customer and every shipment, your overhead is above 5%. It may look like you're gaining traction or making money, but when you go to pay your bills at the end of the month and you paid out more than you brought in, like that's not a sustainable business model. Right. And back to your $278 point, I do think it was, yeah, it was like right around, it, w- it was like right, no, it's actually, it was lower than that. So I think last year, yeah, it was right around 270, 280. This year, currently though, it's it's like lower. It's like 250 yeah, maybe. So, uh, yeah. and do your own research. And I I'd ran a lot of these numbers on um, Monday. So a couple of days ago, but yeah, so we have seen a, a little bit of a decrease in the margin percentage and the margin, um, dollar amount per load overall. Now, a lot of that 2020, I, I'm going to say is an anomaly year because there's been so many, just so many weird things that have happened, right? Capacity has had wild shifts based on companies going under and businesses shutting down and manufacturing coming to a halt in some industries. Um, so we've seen capacity shift, which changes the rate per mile in a lot of lanes, which ultimately is going to affect your margin percentage and your dollar that you actually make on each and every load. So um, this might be one of those outlier years, but you know, either way we're seeing, we're seeing it's somewhere overall in that 15% average that a lot of people will use it as an example. Uh, but like you said, Ben, you know, at the end of the day, you can run a, like we'll use the example, let's say you're on a $3 million a year uh, book of business. That's your top line uh, revenue that you're and what is top line so by the way true to this like let's so top line is gross right like that is the total amount of broker charges to all of his customers for the whole year right yep total billable number right so that's going to be the biggest number you look at so you build three million dollars worth of business with your shippers now you look at what was your cost to do business right yeah so so let's look at an example let's say you're an agent right and I know a lot of people that will do $3 million a year and they'll operate at 10%. And dep- <laughs> we're going to talk about why margin matters here. So that means that you made out of $300,000 at 10%, you had $300,000 in gross profits. That is before a dollar is paid out for any overhead or your commission, whatever. Okay. So now let's, let's go a little bit further here. $300,000 in gross profit. Let's say you have a 70% split. So $210,000 is paid out in commission. That leaves the brokerage company $90,000. They've got to pay for their home office or their headquarters office, their back office, their authority, their bond, insurance, TMS, load board access. Um, Tech. No, taxes, like all kinds of stuff. Not to mention how fast is your customer paying? Cause they've got to cash flow all this stuff. Cause if your customer cost pays in 60 days and they got to pay the truck in 30 days or 21 days or whatever they're paying in, they've got to have enough money to float that. So that's why I will say, depending on your business model, different margins tend to be acceptable. So in the agent world, I always, I try to shy away from folks becoming agents. If their margin is like below 12%, cause there's just not enough meat on the bone to pay somebody that big of a commission on that low profit producing type of freight. And it might not be the freight. It might be their business model is to price low and get as much freight as they can. And it's just not it's sustainable. Just, it's just not enough me on the bone. Yeah. So, whereas I think, you know, certain 
W-2 brokers can get away with 8, 10, 12% because there's less commission being paid out. So it, it really all depends. Days to pay, I think, is a huge thing, though. And I think that, and before we, because days to pay, right? And what that really means from a cash flow perspective, right, is, so let's just say one person, I'm the broker, right? I own their own brokerage. I bill out my customers, like in your example, $3 million for the year, right? So what does that end up? What's 3 million divided by 12? 360,000. $150,000 I bring in in revenue this month, right? Now we pay all of our carriers sooner than our customers pay us, usually in a few days or at the very least a week or two, right? So you have to pay out all of your carriers within this. And just like Nate said, your customer might not pay for 60 days. So that's 250,000 plus next month's 250,000. So now that's $500,000 and we've paid out all of the carriers. The only margin that you have to work on is that difference in between it. But all those bills also, they don't wait 60 days. So your TMS, like everything that Nate just listed, all have to be paid out every month. And if you don't have enough to carry you to that next month, then you typically will borrow that money from a bank on a line of credit, but that money isn't borrowed for free either. You have to yep. pay interest on that money. So, and the other side of that too is factoring. So, some brokers will use factoring companies to operate their cash flow, um, but at a cost. So, and by factoring, what we mean is the AR is accounts essentially receivable. yeah, the accounts receivable. So, the customer invoices are essentially you can just say they're basically sold to a bank yep. per se. And they, so they will front you the money. That way you can operate your cash flow with less stress, but you have to pay a percentage for that. So, and this is off the top, right? So let's say you, let's say, and well, I'm just going to use a a round number of 3% as the factoring fee. All right. So you take that, that number, we use $3 million, right? You're, so we've already talked about, you're only at a 10% margin. You've got to take another 3% to pay for the factoring. And that's essentially going to cover your cash flow. So now you're essentially operating at 7% margin, and then you still have to pay out all those other expenses. So this is why having a healthy margin and good cash flow overall is going to be crucial. Now, another caveat to that is let's say you have a quick paying customer, which may be a cash flow dream for you. So let's say you pay carriers in 14 or 21 days, but your customer pays weekly. They are essentially paying you. Uh, a lot faster than you're paying your carry. They're give, they're putting more money in the bank for you to help support other operations. So you might be able to have a little bit lower margin on a customer like that in order to um, grow more business out of them and get some additional lanes. Um, so there's a lot of different variables and factors that go into it. We don't want to get too thick into it, but just understanding the concept overall is going to be important. Well, to that point, right? Yeah, we put a YouTube video out too on on both of these topics, how to calculate your rates and your margins, but also, you know, what goes into a business and a brokerage and what that overhead number is. But real short, quick math for anybody out there is you should know your costs to do business, whether that is the cost that you pay because you own the brokerage or the percentages you get and those costs associated with. So if you're an agent model, you know what you keep, right? So short, quick math is always trying to look at round numbers, right? Hey, if your goal is to make a hundred grand a year, you look at, okay, average 50 weeks out of a year. So I need to make $2,000 a week. How many hours do you want to work every week? Give or take, we'll call it 50, right? That means you can do, you have 50 
Out of those 50, you've got 40 transactions you could do if it takes you an hour. So in that instance, if it takes you an hour to do an LTL shipment and you make $40 and your cut, your take home of that is $8 and it takes you an hour to do every one of those shipments, okay, you're making $8 an hour times 50. You'd make $400 a week. Like, hey, I'm not saying that that's not money. I'm just saying that's probably not why you got into the brokerage business. Right. And LTL might be a bad example, but you know there are people that, make $40 on full truckloads. Absolutely. <laughs> and, it, and it could take them an hour yeah. to cover it. So there's people that make $25 on full truckloads. So yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So um, margins average right around, right, right in the 15 to 16% across the board right now. Um, there are certain, now let's talk about um, certain reasons why you might have a higher margin on certain types of freight. So like we said in the past, more complex high priority type of business is going to result in more money, which is going to trickle down to more margin. So like we, I use Protus as an example in the past, multiple picks, multiple drops. So it's not just one pickup, one delivery. And maybe you've got overnight deliveries and, or team drivers, or you name it, the more complex it gets, the harder it is for you to find a carrier and it's going to drive the rate up and you're ultimately going to make a higher margin on that. So um, even if you just kept your same percentage, so let's say a load, you know, a one pick, one drop, easy load costs a thousand dollars and you make 15%, it's $150. Let's say you get an extra $500 from the customer because it's a complex load requires a little bit more time and more work. That 15% just gave you an, another, I don't know, what is it? $75 in profit. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff right there. The, the lower margin stuff, um, very high, um, the the highly competitive stuff. If you get on a load list with a hundred other brokers or a thousand other brokers, you could look at the one pick, one drop lumber or steel that requires no tarps. Um, you could look at a lot of dry van freight. That's just super easy. Not, not difficult lanes. Um, but the harder stuff, like sending somebody into New England or into Florida when it's the wrong time of the year for produce or trying to send somebody into um, or trying to find a truck coming out of a port area when they're backed up as it is with imports. So that, you know, the, the harder it is for you and this, you have to have the conversation with your customer and they're going to know because if you're one of the only people that's actually able to get them a truck, um, that's going to result in you making more money and you need to price your customers accordingly. The more work you're doing, you should build by design, build a higher margin into the end of those prices. And I think good round numbers to look at are, and I always use these in my head for quick math is if you can make 250 to 300, somewhere in there is round numbers and multiply that against the amount of loads you're shipping every week should give you a good ballpark number on whether or not you're moving in the right direction. <clears throat> um, yep. If you're far below that, then start looking at, okay, like, you know, how far are you below it? And how much does this make sense? Because, and I know this is hard for the newer brokers out there to, it was hard for me to grasp at first, but not everybody you're working with should be your customer. Um, some of them should be working with other people. If you're not able to charge what your time's worth, it's okay to stop doing business with them and look for a customer that is able to realize your value. Not yep. everybody and not everybody that is shipping and willing to give you loads is going to realize and is willing to pay you for your time and the value you add to their organization, right? Yep. And one, I want to hit on one last uh, bit on margins before we hit hit the uh, questions up here. But um, so let's say 
you are operating at a lower margin right now. And your question is how, how can I increase my margin? Um, the first thing I want to, I want you to take a look at is do some simple math. And I did this with a lot of agents that I've worked with in the past. And I said, I ran all the numbers for the month, the year, whatever it was. And I said, if you had a 1% higher margin and a 2% higher margin and a 3% higher margin, here's how much additional money would have gone into your commission. So first of all, they see, oh, wow, this is how much I left on the table. And now the question is, how do you, how do you get your margin higher? Um, well, sometimes you can't because you're already where you should be, or maybe you're already above that. And it just, it is what it is. Um, unless you're going to try to diversify and find just, you know, st- even higher margin type of freight. Um, but say you're at 10% and you want to be at 13% because that's, that's the market average for what you are moving. It's going to be a slow process. You don't just all of a sudden increase your prices overnight. A lot of people will slowly start to uh, price a little bit higher on their customer's end, right? You don't want to take it all away from your carriers because they're not, they shouldn't be putting the money in your pocket. It's the customer that you're servicing that ultimately you're going to want to drive that margin up slowly and incrementally on. Um, So that's the biggest thing is don't do it all at once, but I think you could slowly over time throughout a quarter or two quarters, start to price a little bit higher. And if you've got good relationships with your customers, the value has already been established. So you already have the, they already understand what you're worth. And now it's time to make sure that the price that you're charging them is going to reflect that as well. And I think that's a great point. The one thing I would add to that is if you are going to charge a little more, two tips for that is one, never increase a bill without a reason. Add context, whatever that is, whether it's, hey, you know what? Like the market got super tight on this lane. We had to work a few, a lot longer on this. And I had to pull some resources from other brokers in the company to get it covered for you. I had to build, like I had to build a little bit more. That is absolutely reasonable. You always want to reason. You don't just want to say, hey, it just is what it is and it's more. I mean, how would you feel if the carrier did that to you? And it's always easy to get perspective. Look at the other side of the transaction and ask yourself how you would feel if it was done to you. Absolutely. Second thing is, and it's most simplest form is just think about supply and demand. You know, in Nate's example of a three pick, two drop temp controlled lane with a lot of stringent appointments on it, right? Less, there's going to be a less number of carriers, a smaller number that are going to be willing to do that type of work than a cross country one pick, one drop. Well, less supply of what you need, the price will go up a little bit. The same thing always happens. The more complex, the less people are going to be willing to do it, the more you're going to have to pay. But on the other side of that transaction to your customer, the more complex their shipments are, the more they're used to paying a little bit more. They realize there are going to be less people that are willing to do that or even understand it in some cases. That's where your increased value comes from. Yep. And here's another thing too. So even by not changing your customer's rate, the more time you spend working on your carrier relationships and seeing who is actually available out there to haul a load for your customer, you can likely find a, a lesser or a less expensive truck to haul that load for you as well. So you might be able to, to shave $50 off the rate by spending the extra 10 minutes to actually talk to three or four different carriers instead of just taking the first one and doing zero negotiation. So, um, and that's, you know, that's a whole other topic in itself and, and getting into the negotiation process. But you're not negotiating if you just answer the first call and book the carrier at whatever rate they tell you. That's not negotiating. 
So, yeah. and that's what that, that can lead to you having very, very low margin. Speaking of which we got to put a pin in that. And I think I was thinking about that the other day, we should absolutely do an episode on that in January is negotiating rates and, you know, good tips for negotiating. And we'll kind of cover that then. Absolutely. And listeners, let us know what you think if you want to hear that episode. So good stuff. All right. That's margins in a nutshell. We wanted to keep it high level, right? Didn't want to get too deep into it. You know, whenever we talk about numbers and percentages, some people just it's over their head or they're just not interested. They just want to go book their next load. But um, it's something that you want to understand whether you're the uh, the sales broker level or you're a, a team leader level or a manager, director, or up, you know higher up the ladder. The higher up you go, the more, more important margin is going to be and the better policy you're going to need to have on it. So um, good stuff. Got two questions today, Ben. So I'm going to let you answer the first one. I'll take the second one. The first question is what tools can I use for periodic bids? So the, the person was saying that their customer is allowing them to bid starting in 2021 on their, I think it's either monthly or quarterly on their, on their lane. So what kind of tools can somebody use when they've got bid opportunities? Well, I mean, the first one's going to be DAT. I'm going to go for the place with the most stringent and the most accurate data and going to look at, you know, what historic rates are and, to this point too, put a YouTube video out on last week exactly on how to do this, right? It's going there and looking what the trends are. Is the lanes getting more expensive or are they getting looser or tighter? And then I'm going to also dig into the market occasionally and I'm going to look at, hey, if I had to cover this right now, what would I pay? So I might post a couple of them up and just ask some carriers and get some feedback on it. I think the important thing to consider here is you don't want to win every load. Nobody does. And I think there's an assumption that as small brokers, like the bigger players, like even the fleet carriers, like JB Hunt and these bigger names, like they also don't try to win every load. Right. Nobody wants every load. Not everybody's a fit for every load within every routing guide. Look for the ones that you've got relationships with carriers on. Boom. Go to them, call them and ask them what they would cost to run it because that's your best way to scale yourself into more business. Take a couple that are a good fit and then work your way up from there. Couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's the big thing is, yeah, the DAT and your TMS historical data, any any data you can get your hands on, that's going to be huge for looking at historical trends and historical rates and the current rates in the market. But like you said, as well as, you know, as far, not just pricing, but take a step back, look at what lanes you should be bidding on. Look at your carrier network. You know, who do you have a strong relationship with in certain regions or in certain lanes, that's a tool you can look at as your carrier network. So put those two together. That's a good starting point. Look at your carrier network, look at the, the historical rates, and then you got to add your margin in there. So you got to have some sort of a calculation tool as well. So uh, good stuff. All right. How do some brokers make $100,000 a year so easily? So there was more context to the question, basically saying like they were an employee and they're like, I don't understand how it happens. Well, Ben, you, you kind of laid it out earlier very, very well, right? So if you want to do the 100K a year in your commission or in your total pay, you got to figure out what does that come out to, we'll say per month, right? Or break it down to per week. And then you have to do the backwards math on, well, okay, let's say I'm paid X percentage in commission. How much do I have to produce then to be able to get to those numbers where my commission will come out to be that level? So let's do a simple uh, math here. I'm going to pull up my calculator. I'm going to say you're a as you're doing that, 
So yep. pull that up because the other context of this is if you're sitting in a, in a big brokerage and you're W2 and you're looking at somebody that's been there the same amount of time or maybe only a year and they're making six figures, remember that and we talk about this a lot, right? What is luck? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. The person next to you is putting in the phone calls and they're calling 80 to 100 people. They're going to create some opportunities. And I've absolutely seen brokers that have just stumbled into a great customer that needed help on the day they called them and they were willing to move some of their business because something happened with their existing broker. They literally kind of fell into a six-figure income. That happens, right? I mean, but if you're not putting in the activity, that's the best way to close that gap of luck. If you put in the numbers and you put the calls in every day, you will create that luck for yourself. So here's a did quick math here. So 100K, right? Let's say you're an agent. And this is the easiest way is probably being the agent where you can just pump business out and do what you're best at, which is to cradle to grave okay. that load and make the most money on it, right? So 100 grand commission, um, let's say you're at 70%. The backwards math on that came out to be about $2,700 a week in profit that you have to produce. So it's about a little over 12K a month, um, about 140-ish per year. So two, $2,700 a week, I mean, let's say, like we said, average margin per load, 270-ish, 10 loads a week, two loads a day. There you go. Do the simple math on it. Now, if your commission is, you know, let's say you make 25% commission or 20% commission, yeah, it's going to require you to do, you know, 3X that, but you also might have a salary in there. So maybe, you know, double that and then add your salary and then you'll make it. So the point and support. is- and the other piece too, right, is like, you got to look at what you're paying for, right? That difference in commission is usually going somewhere for either a resource you have or a resource you don't have. Yes. So let's say like, I know a lot of agent-based companies will pay, you know, let's say they pay 40 or 50%, but they're going to cover all your loads for you. They have a good carrier team. And some people prefer that and they'll pump out twice as much in volume, but never have to dispatch a truck. Um, or maybe you get the higher commission, like 70%, and then you, you already have a good carrier relationships and carrier base. Um, and you want to do all that yourself. There you go. You can do half as much work or half as many loads, but more work on each load to make the same amount. So, um, yeah, so that's how you can do it. You, (laughs) you, you got to figure out yourself based on your pay structure. What does it take? And I'm a big fan of, Break it down to monthly and weekly. You can go down to the daily, like I said, two loads a day, but not every day is going to be exactly the same. Not every week is going to be the same. But if you're trending, like think about where, you know, when you were W2, you, you were looked at on what your weekly average was over what, 12 weeks? So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's a good, it's a very important thing to look at as far as your progress and your growth is how much are you doing, uh, you know, per month, per week, et cetera. So that's how you do it. Good questions. So for, for folks still listening and haven't shut us off yet, check out the website, Freight360.net. We have a content page on there that's got a lot of really, really good stuff as far as, uh, you know, example article or not articles, example agreements you may want to use. We've got the co-broker agreement up there. We've got the um, non-disclosure, I believe, is up there. Uh, actually, it might not be. We, what's the one I just added up there? A bill of lading, right? Sometimes you have to create a bill of lading. Um produce calendar, but also the, you've got the videos tab for all like the weekly videos and blogs. They're all getting put up there on the video and the blogs uh, tab on our website. So a lot of great free resources, share with your buddies and your, uh, you know, your friends and colleagues in the industry. This is really, really good content. And let us know what you want us to talk about on the next episodes or write blogs or do videos about. 
let us know. We want your feedback. But and, and that's really it. I mean, we're putting a lot of this stuff together and trying to put it in one place so that it's usable and accessible to everybody out there. We love the questions. Keep them coming. We love doing the show. We're trying to add more value so that everybody out there is able to go and consume some of this, have their questions answered. What's one of my favorite ways to consume information is to listen to podcasts throughout the week. But if you don't sit down and take some of the stuff we're talking about and put a plan together to implement it or to actually apply it to your day-to-day life, it's really just that. Information and knowledge without application is largely useless. So we're trying to give you guys some tools that you can literally take some of the stuff that we're talking about and use it to make more money, make your lives easier, free up more time, and to just do business in a more efficient way. So here's, here's two deliverables for today. Number one, on margin, right? Look at what your current margin is. And also look at if you were to be able to increase that margin by one, two or 3% in the next 12 months, how much more money that would put in your pocket. So that's the one thing you can do. Second one is think about that number, what you want to make in commission in 2021. Do the backwards math like we talked about and figure out what do you have to do each month or each week to achieve that goal. Love it. It always reminds me, and I've I've talked to people that literally don't know their costs, don't know what their overhead is. And I get it. Like when bad news is there, we tend to avoid it as humans or we don't want to look at it. But you know what? Like it's not going to make it go away. If you don't know what your expenses are, like they still have to be paid. And if you're operating in a way that is less than profitable, it's a matter of time before you run out of runway. And this is information, whether or not you want to look at it or not, you should be looking at it sooner rather than later so that you can plan accordingly and determine if these are the right customers for you, the ones you're working with, or even if the market and the industry you've been prospecting and shipping for, maybe it is the right fit, maybe it isn't, but until you can sit down and at least evaluate it, who knows? I think what one of the episodes we can definitely do in the, uh, in the upcoming weeks here is, you know, probably like a, a you know, top five things that you can do in 2021 to improve your book of business. So, um, and you know, we just, you know, we hit on a lot of it today, but we'll try to give you some good deliverables for going into the new year. So Ben, now. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Love it. Until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.